What's going on, students? It's so good to be with each of you tonight. Thank you for, for tuning in tonight uh, as we continue in our series that uh, we began last week. I just want to thank you before we get into the messages. Thank you for being flexible with us. I know uh, no one wants to transition back online, uh, but we felt that it was necessary to transition back online just for this week. Uh, and we'll be back in person next week, so don't worry. You can you can meet us here at the church next week at 5.30 p.m. for in-person youth. Uh, and so tonight we are continuing the series, like I said, that we began last week called Lost in the Garden. Uh, and you may recall from last week that this series is focusing on discussing the seven deadly sins. And we're discussing not only what they are, but why they are problematic for us, and how we can overcome them. I, I don't just want us to talk about what the deadly sins are, but I want us to discuss how they affect our lives, but also how we can overcome them. And you'll recall, too, that we, we kind of just clarified that the seven deadly sins aren't necessarily uh, seven individual sins, and that's it. Uh, we know from the book of Romans that all sin leads to death, and Frankly, as, as Christians, as people like we recognize, there are far more than seven sins. But these seven quote-unquote deadly sins serve more as categories of sin where all the individual sins fall under one of these seven categories of sin. And so last week we started out by uh, discussing the one sin that arguably really leads to all other sins. And we talked about how we all struggle with this sin, and, and that is pride. And we all struggle with pride in our lives. And a lot of times it shows up in ways that we never would have assumed. And so tonight we're, we're going to talk about two sins. Uh, two sins that I, I think can pretty much be grouped together. And I think they really go hand in hand. I, I think in a lot of ways, if you have one, you also have the other. And so tonight we're going to be talking about self-indulgence. Uh, the deadly sins of laziness and gluttony and laziness and gluttony are the deadly sins i think we can sum them up by talking about self indulgence and so i want us to to look at uh philippians chapter 3 as we begin tonight it's going to be philippians chapter 3 verses 17 through 19 here's what it is you can follow along with me on the screen or, or on your bible in your bible if you have one with you philippians 3 17 through 19 here's what it says Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. So these two things, uh, these two deadly sins of laziness and of gluttony, man, we would hardly typically think that uh, these sins are problematic in our lives. And we really 
if we think about gluttony and laziness, we, we probably wouldn't even think that they're deadly. In fact, we, we, you may not even know what gluttony is. I feel like that's a word that it hardly gets used nowadays. But Scripture would disagree with us on that. Scripture clearly says in Philippians chapter 3 that gluttony and laziness, patterning your lives in that way, man, it leads to death. It, it puts you in a position where it says that you are an enemy of the cross of Christ. And so tonight, I, I want us to look at this issue of self-indulgence. And, and I want us to look at three different things when it comes to self-indulgence. Here, here's what I want us to look at. I want us to look at the presence of self-indulgence. How self-indulgence uh, shows itself in our lives. How we see it in our lives. I want us to look at the problem with self-indulgence. Why is self-indulgence a problem? And then I want us to wrap up the night by talking about the path to true satisfaction. How can we truly be satisfied? And so how does self-indulgence show itself in our lives? Let me just ask you a question. What do you think of when you picture laziness or gluttony? What do you think of? What, what comes to mind? If you were to close your eyes and think of someone who is being lazy or someone who is overindulging, what would you think of? What, what comes to mind? See, you probably think of someone who is overweight and overeating because those are the stereotypes that society has given us for those things. Those are the stereotypes that, from a societal standpoint, uh, go with laziness and gluttony. And while those stereotypes may, in fact, be correct sometimes, sometimes they're correct, sometimes they're not correct, there is a lot more to laziness and gluttony than that. And so, so I think we need to ask ourselves, what are they? What is laziness? And at its core, laziness is simply just the avoidance of responsibility. Laziness is the avoidance of responsibility. And here's what it can look like. It can look like laying in bed or on the couch all day, not doing anything. Absolutely. And that would be stereotypical. But it could also look like forgetting, quote unquote, to read a text because you know it's one of your parents asking you to do something. Look, I, I know I'm not the only person who has done this. Where like you're looking, you get a text and you can see the preview of it and it's mom or dad asking you to do something. And so what do you do? You just forget that they sent you a text. Oh man, I just forgot to read that. I'm sorry. I, I didn't see it. And, and that's another problem is it's laziness is not seeing, quote unquote, what someone asked you to do. Oh man, I just didn't see that. Man, please tell me I'm not the only one who is guilty of doing that. I think we've all done that. And we do it because we don't want to be bothered. But also sometimes laziness looks like saying, man, I'll do it later. Not right now, I'll do it later. But really, like, we just don't want to do it. And we think that if we just say we'll do it later, we can get out of doing it. So laziness shows up in our lives in, in a lot of different ways. So what is gluttony? Gluttony is kind of the opposite of laziness. Gluttony is excessive consumption. Excessive consumption. Here's what gluttony looks like. It looks like eating a whole bag of chips in one sitting. Yep, that, that is stereotypical gluttony. It looks like eating a tub of ice cream by yourself all at once. That is stereotypical gluttony. And look, man, I'm guilty of this. 
I love some half-baked Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Man, on the right night, man, I could just sit down and go to town on some Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And I know I'm probably not the only one who can do that. But man, it's not good for me. That is gluttony. It's excessive. But it can also look like playing video games too much, which causes you not to do your homework. It can look like something I know many of you, many of us have problems with, and that's being on your phone all the time. It can look like always having to keep up with all the different trends, all the fashion trends. Man, having to buy all the different things just to keep up. Man, it's just excessive consumption. And really, I, I think if society were to sum up self-indulgence, society would sum, sum up self, self-indulgence by saying, you do you. You do you. That is how society sums up self-indulgence. Society says, you do you. And so we see this throughout our lives, throughout our world, this idea of you do you. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody, you do you, man. Girl, you do you. You can have what you want. You can do what you want. You do you. It's a lot more present in our lives than I think we care to believe. And frankly, I think we just need to acknowledge that we live in a self-indulgent world. We really do. We live in a self-indulgent world, a world that is that revolves around indulging yourself, making yourself feel good. So similar similar to pride, uh, people don't typically think of themselves as self-indulgent. And if you think back to when we talked about pride last week, you'll remember that one of the biggest problems with pride and recognizing that you're prideful is, man, those who have pride don't think they're prideful. And that's the pride speaking, Right? People who are prideful do not think they have an issue with pride. And with self-indulgence, we don't like to think of ourselves as self-indulgent. And typically, we justify our actions by saying, man, I needed whatever it is. Man, I needed that. But what we really meant was, man, I wanted that, so I went and bought it. I went and ate it. Man, not because I needed it, but really... At my core, I I just wanted it. And that is self-indulgence. And so why is self-indulgence bad? If we live in a society, in a world that is just consumed by self-indulgence, why is it bad? Why is it deadly? So let's talk now about the the problem with self-indulgence. So what? let let me just start out talking about the problem by asking you another question. So what typically happens to an appetite when you continue to feed it? What typically happens to an appetite when you continue to feed it? Does it shrink? Does it grow? Does it come back? Does it go away? You you may feel temporarily satisfied, but eventually that appetite's going to come back. And a lot of times that appetite comes back bigger. It doesn't stay the same. Usually it comes back bigger. You know, I would argue and would say most of most of us eat two, three meals a day. You eat breakfast, and that satisfies your appetite. Then you get hungry again about lunchtime. And then 
you, you eat lunch and you're satisfied and then you eat lunch again around, or not eat lunch again, you eat dinner a couple hours later. And that satisfies your appetite. Maybe you have a midnight snack, but then you eat breakfast again the next morning. And if you don't eat, that appetite continues to grow because you've been feeding it. And a lot of times that appetite comes back bigger. See, self-indulgence is a problem because it leads to a decline of motivation and eventually leads to death. Self-indulgence leads to a decline of motivation and eventually death. I want us to look at the book of James. If you have your Bible, flip to the book of James. Chapter 1, uh, verses 14 through 16. I'm going to read it. It's on the screen for you to follow along as well. Here's what it says. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. See, James uh, 1.15 there says, man, when we give birth to these sinful desires, these sinful actions, they grow. They don't go away. They grow. When you give in to sin, when you give in and start feeding that appetite, it doesn't just go away. It grows. It grows. And it eventually leads to death. I want to use uh, an example here just of school. I, I, I think using school as an example can really put this into perspective for us. I'll just speak uh, from a personal uh, experience, man, when I was uh, really in 10th grade, uh, a lot of me and a lot of my friends, we would play Minecraft. I know that Minecraft is back being a, a popular game today and y'all play it on your phones, Xbox, you know, whatever, y'all play it on anything now, iPad, whatever. Man, when, when I, I remember when I was playing Minecraft, it had recently within the last couple years come out. And so we were playing it on uh, our computer. And so me and my friends, man, my friend had set up his own personal server. And so it was just me and my friends, man, we we're playing on this private server. We were just having a blast. We, we'd call each other on Skype so that we could uh, talk uh, while we were, were playing. Uh, and we would play until sometimes two, three, four o'clock in the morning. It was crazy. We would play uh, until we fell asleep playing. It was, it was ridiculous. And we would neglect our schoolwork. You know, some nights we would play till 4 o'clock in the morning and wouldn't do any of our schoolwork. Sometimes we'd play till 1 or 2 in the morning and then start our schoolwork and fall asleep doing it. Now, I can remember countless days where I went into school not prepared for a test, not prepared for a quiz, hadn't done my homework because I'd stayed up all night playing this game. I'd neglected my schoolwork. And frankly, that led to me failing homework assignments, failing quizzes, failing tests. Thankfully, I never failed a class, but sometimes it wasn't pretty. It wasn't always pretty. But what made it worse is uh, it didn't stop there. We would play our game. We'd play Minecraft in class during the school day. And so... On top of playing at home and not managing, you know, managing our schoolwork, we weren't paying attention in school. We were too busy playing in school. 
And so we, you know, it frankly, wouldn't have mattered if we weren't playing. We wouldn't know what we were doing on the assignments anyways. But it eventually led to death. We weren't motivated to do our schoolwork. We were indulging ourselves and playing a game. We weren't motivated to do our schoolwork. And that decline of motivation to, to fulfill the responsibilities that we had, man, it led to death. And death caused by self, self-indulgence can look like failing a test. It can look like failing a class, but a lot of times it, it also looks like the loss of a relationship. And no one wants to have friends or be in relationships with people who all they're focused on is serving themselves. When you ask them for help, man, they're gone. They don't hesitate to ask you for help. And, and they're there when it's fun. But man, the moment you ask them for help, man, you can't even find them. They don't answer their texts, phone calls, nothing. They don't want anything to do with it. And no one wants friends like that. No one wants relationships like that. See, self-indulgence is really dangerous because it leads us to saying and believing to ourselves that we are God of our lives. It leads to us saying, man, I am God of my life. It leads us to believing that what I want, man, I can have it. What I want, man, I can do it. Self-indulgence also poses a really big problem to us. Because ultimately, at our core, we desire lasting fulfillment. We desire lasting fulfillment. And here's how self-indulgence is a problem there. Self-indulgence promises us instant fulfillment. It does. Self-indulgence promises us instant fulfillment. But what we don't realize is there's a catch to it. And that's where the problem comes in. The catch is, it's temporary. It's temporary. Self-indulgence promises us instant fulfillment, but it's temporary fulfillment. It's not lasting fulfillment. It's not the lasting fulfillment that we ultimately desire. See, self-indulgence makes us a promise that it cannot deliver. Really, what it promises us, really, it promises us fulfillment, and it delivers a quick fix. Self-indulgence promises promises us fulfillment, but delivers a quick fix. And here's the problem with quick fixes. They never last. Quick fixes never last. They're temporary. I mean, you can think back. uh, It's crazy to think it was two years ago when Hurricane Michael came through Panama City. And a lot of people had roof damage. And so what did they do? What what were the quick fixes for their roof damage? They, they couldn't get a new roof in a lot of cases. Many people could not get a new roof put on quickly. So what was the quick fix? It was to put a tarp on your roof. It was to put a tarp on your roof. But the problem with a tarp on your roof is it's temporary. It's not meant to be lasting. And eventually tarps wear out. They get holes in them. And if you turn to a tarp, to be your lasting roof solution, you're going to get water in your house. When it rains, the water's going to come through the roof. It's not going to do what it was designed to do. It's going to fail. It's not going to last. It's temporary. It does its job for a moment, and then it's gone. Eventually, you have to 
find the lasting solution to the problem. You have to find the lasting solution. And that's to put a new roof on. I mean, I can think back uh, when I was in high school playing football. And we had these game day uniforms that we would wear. And I've told some of y'all this example before. I've used it in other messages. Is Going into senior year, man, I went on Nike.com and customized what I thought were these really sweet shoes. These really sweet shoes. It probably cost me close to $150, $200 for these stupid shoes. And I was only going to wear them on Fridays with... My game day uniform, they're going to look so cool. And I just knew, man, I was going to look so good. And people were just going to comment on my shoes. I was just going to get, I was just going to feel so satisfied. And that was a quick fix. And I quickly learned that it was a quick fix because, man, the first game day we had, not one person. I put those shoes on thinking, ah, man, everyone's just going to love these shoes. Comment on them all day. Tell me how great they are. I'm going to feel so great. Not one person commented on those shoes. Not one person. Not one. Not a single one. I'm still a little bitter about it. (laughs) It was a quick fix. And it soon came crashing down. And and so what is the lasting solution? If we desire, ultimately desire, lasting fulfillment, how do we get that? How do we receive the lasting solution? So as we close tonight, I, I want us to talk about this. How I, I want us to talk about the path to true satisfaction. And I think for us to get a better understanding of this, we need to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 6. And this is Jesus speaking in one of his most famous messages, if not the most famous message, the Sermon on the Mount. He's going through the Beatitudes. Here's what, here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Other translations say, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. So how do we receive lasting fulfillment? And really, I think there's one way. You pursue righteousness. You pursue righteousness, and that means that you pursue God. You pursue God. You pursue a relationship with God. See, we get trapped in self-indulgence because we think we need more of whatever it is in order to be satisfied. We think we need more. We think we need more money. We think we need more friends. We need. We think we need more approval, more popularity. We think we just need more in order to be satisfied. But the problem is, is more never satisfies. But I think what the truth is, is you don't need more You're settling for less. You are settling for less. See, in in Matthew 5, Jesus doesn't say pursue more more money, pursue more friends, pursue more approval and popularity, and then you'll be satisfied. No, he doesn't say that. Jesus says pursue God. Pursue righteousness. Pursue a relationship with God. And then you will be satisfied. Then you will truly be satisfied then you will be fulfilled. So if pursuing righteousness, pursuing God is how we receive lasting fulfillment, how do, we, how do we receive it? How do we receive it? How do we do that through pursuing God? So I want to give you three ways, three things that we need to do in order to receive fulfillment by pursuing God. Here's the first thing. 
If we're going to receive fulfillment through pursuing God, pursuing a relationship with God, and pursuing righteousness, we have to believe that God alone can satisfy. You have to believe that God alone can satisfy. Here's why. If you don't believe that God will satisfy you, you're not going to seek him for your satisfaction. That's just common sense, I think. You're not going to turn somewhere if you don't believe that that is a source of satisfaction. You, you won't turn to God for satisfaction if you don't think he's capable of giving it to you. I want us to read uh, the gospel in the Gospel of John uh, chapter 4, verses 13 through 14. And here Jesus is at uh, speaking to the woman at the well. And she's at, he's talking to her, uh, having this conversation with her, and mentions he's thirsty. And they get into the conversation uh, where she says, "Well, you don't you don't have anything to draw water from the well." And and they get on this topic of Jesus speaking to her. And what he says is is really interesting. Here's what he says: Jesus replied to her, "Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again." He's talking about the water that's in the well. Anyone who drinks this water will soon be thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And so what Jesus says here really puzzles the woman. She's really confused. And she responds by saying, well, please, by all means, (laughs) give me some of this water. Uh, I'm tired of coming to this well and drawing water every day. I'm tired of it. (laughs) It's hard work. It was hard work to draw water out of a well. And Jesus talks and talking to her goes, no, no, no. Like, you got to have the relationship. It's the relationship. And when you have a relationship with God, when you have that personal relationship with Jesus, man, it satisfies you. Jesus says it's like a, a spring of water bubbling up in you. And what does it lead to? It leads to eternal life. It leads to eternal life through the relationship with Jesus. And so the second thing that we have to do, if we're going to receive fulfillment, lasting fulfillment, by pursuing righteousness, by pursuing God, we have to be willing to discipline ourselves. You have to discipline yourself. Now, here's the thing with disciplining yourself. Discipline does not feel good in the moment. It is hard. Uh, I Let's acknowledge that disciplining yourself is hard. But here's the thing is self-control is one is a fruit of the spirit for a reason, for a reason. See, here's what I've come to realize throughout my life. And I'm by no means perfect in disciplining myself and having self-control. I'm by no means perfect. But here's what I've come to realize is that discipline leads to desire. Discipline leads to desire. And that desire leads to delight. It leads to delight. It leads to fulfillment. See, I, I remember uh, in high school having to go uh, to strength and conditioning class for, you know, playing sports. I remember our strength and conditioning coach telling us that, you know, if we really wanted to get into a routine, if we really wanted to get into the habit of doing something, in that case, you know, lifting weights and exercising, we, we needed to discipline ourselves and commit ourselves Every day for three months to doing it. We had to discipline ourselves for three months. And what I noticed is that those who did that, 
soon had a desire to continue doing it. It, it didn't become as much of a chore. It wasn't as hard for them to do it. It, it was something that, man, they desired to do that. And then what I realized is that they were filling the desire, and so they were fulfilled. Now, that was a temporary fulfillment. It was They were receiving fulfillment from an earthly thing, and so it was temporary. That fulfillment soon went away. But the same principle still applies here. Let's take reading Scripture for an example. Man, if you are not in the habit of reading Scripture every day, Man, you're going to have to discipline yourself. You're going to have to practice self-control and discipline yourself to read Scripture every day. But what you'll notice is soon you will desire to read Scripture every day. And eventually you are going to receive so much fulfillment through reading Scripture. But when, when we fully practice all of the spiritual disciplines that God has given us, and we'll talk about spiritual disciplines later this semester, towards November, so this is just a little insight into that. If we will discipline ourselves to fully commit, fully engage, fully involve ourselves in a relationship with Jesus, man, we will desire that relationship and we'll receive that relationship. And we will receive this spring of living water bubbling up in us. And we'll receive lasting fulfillment and it'll lead us to eternal life. And so the third thing, if we are going to receive lasting fulfillment by pursuing righteousness and by pursuing a relationship with God, we have to believe in a different promise for happiness. You have to believe in a different promise for happiness. Let me just ask you this. What do you believe? What do you believe? Do you believe a relationship with God will bring you satisfaction? Or do you believe that happiness is found in material things, things of this world? Because what you believe will determine where you turn it will determine where you turn. So just in closing, look, if you keep trying to find satisfaction from the world and from yourself, it will only lead you to death. It will lead you to death of happiness, death of contentment, death of relationships, death of motivation. It'll, it's eventually going to lead to failure. But if you will turn to the Lord and seek a relationship with him, and pursue a deeper relationship with him, then you will find true, lasting satisfaction. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for this evening. I thank you that even though we are online this week, Lord, that we can still have this conversation, this important conversation about self-indulgence, this important conversation about how do we find lasting fulfillment, true satisfaction. And so, Lord, I thank you uh, that you have given us a way to receive that, and that's through a relationship with you. And so, Lord, I thank you that you desire to be in relationship with us. You desire to give us fulfillment and satisfaction. Thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for these students. Uh, I pray that you would highlight to them, highlight to all of us in our lives, where we need to give up our own control, our own desires, or to allow you to speak life and to speak fulfillment. Lord, show us the areas in our lives where we are being lazy or over-consuming. Show us where we are neglecting our responsibilities and help us to pursue a relationship with you. 
Help us to pursue you for our fulfillment and for our satisfaction, not the world. Lord, I love you. I thank you for these students. As they continue to go throughout their weeks in school right now, Lord, I just continue to to ask just that you would continue to protect them and keep them safe, keep them healthy during this time. And Lord, anyone who is sick with COVID, Lord, I pray that you would heal them and help them to come through the sickness and keep anyone around them safe. Lord, I love you. I thank you for these students and I thank you just for the love that you have for them. Lord, as we transition into small groups, Lord, I pray that you would bless our time together. Let it be fruitful. Let it be good discussion, challenging discussion, and help us just to to focus on you, to focus on how we can pursue you and pursue righteousness, but to pursue you in all that we do. So, Lord, again, I thank you for this time that we've had together. I thank you for these students. I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Hey everyone, this is Nathan Sell, the youth pastor at Destin United Methodist Church. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. My prayer is that the Lord would use this podcast as an opportunity to speak life into you. I hope all of you know the love that the Lord has for you and that you are experiencing his blessings each and every day. God bless you and thank you for listening.